Good morning. A reading from John 8, 12 to 20. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid, they said. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I've come from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. And then in verse 20, he spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Let's pray. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Shine your light in our present darkness, we pray. Amen. Well, we live at a time when people are searching and longing for light in a way that probably I've never known in my lifetime. There's something really heartwarming about wandering round and finding the thirst for celebration, for Christmas trees going up and decorations everywhere. About the elaborate food plans and all the kind of different organisational ideas for trying to meet together with families and friends that get very creative. But what if there was no possibility this Christmas time, this season of Advent, of discovering the eternal light that doesn't flicker, doesn't die, doesn't pass away? In today's reading, the people were trying to work out if Jesus really was the light. Not just another wise man, not just a good moral teacher or a miracle worker, but God in human flesh, in which people were invited to come and see Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus made enormously staggering claims about himself while he was on earth. And in verse 12 of our reading, he says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. <clears throat> Jesus, in this passage, has a metaphor. Jesus has a claim. I am the light of the world. And Jesus has a call. Follow me and you'll have the light of life. <clears throat> so what is the light of the world? It's amazing. On earth, the sun, the very light of the world, is the most basic form of all life and light on earth. If we didn't have the sun, we'd freeze and die. I don't know about you, but when a little child wakes up in the middle of the night screaming, what do we do? You know, we don't make it darker. Instead, we comfort the child and we turn on a light. Light is wondrous because it brings joy, it brings truth and brings life to everything around it. And we need light spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, morally and physically for us to live, to grow and to thrive. Light is that important and that central to what Jesus is claiming in our reading this morning. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. To understand how incredible Jesus' claim is, look at verse 20. Well, what we find is John saying somehow when he said this, people didn't kill him. It was that offensive what Jesus said at this time. 
And in this, in this claim to be the light of the world, Jesus is making three essential claims. He's saying he's the source for life, the source for truth, and the source of all joy. So firstly, the ultimate life. Jesus is saying, I and I alone can bring you eternal life. When the sun comes up in the spring and starts to get near the earth, things melt, things begin to grow. When I come near to you, I don't just stop being an inspirational example to you, um, in which the life of God comes into us and we begin to change. We begin to sprout. We begin to share the life that will last forever and that he will live with us forever. I am the source of ultimate life, says Jesus. Secondly, the source of ultimate truth in this claim. People say, where does Jesus Christ ever say that he's actually God? Well, the answer is, he says it here. I am the light of the world. And referring back into John 7, 37, where in front of the candelabra at the Feast of Bad Tabernacles, on the very night in which they celebrated the fact and drew an end to the fact that the glory of God is departed, is most, most strongly felt. Reminding of that God's provision in the Exodus, Jesus is saying, I don't just point to God like the prophets did. I am the glory of God. I am the only way for us to know God really and for the light of God to be centrally and permanently resident in our lives. What he's not saying is there's no other prophet, there's no other philosophy or no other wisdom in the world that knows anything about other than anything about God. He's saying all those other things, they are moons. I am the sun, says Jesus. They reflect my glory, they're moons, but I am the glory. Of course, you can see a lot in the world by the moonlight. It reflects the sun, obviously. But nothing like living in the sunlight itself. <clears throat> this morning you may say, wow, well, that's a really big claim. Well, <clears throat> the reality is the founders of the other major religions all pretty much say, I am the moon. You know, I will point you to God, but I'm not God himself. They're all saying we're moons. I'm reflecting, but I'm not the substance itself. Jesus here is saying, I am the Son, I am the ultimate truth. And thirdly, he's saying that I am the ultimate joy or beauty. Light is where we get beauty from. Colours, what are colours? They're little nothing but parts of light. And most of us spend a huge amount of time and energy in our lives going to beautiful places, seeking beautiful appearance often, listening to beautiful words that please us, or longing over beautiful art or beautiful music, or looking at beautiful things. But all those beautiful things will never satisfy the deepest recesses of our soul. And Jesus says, I am that beauty that you've been longing for. I am that joy. They're just the moon. I am the sun. But we're not, we don't really, really just want to, to see beauty. We want to be united to the beauty we see. We want to receive it for ourselves and to bathe in the wonder of that beauty. And in verse 12, that's what Jesus says. If you follow me, you'll not just get near the light of life. He says, you'll have it. But what are we getting? 
We're getting the very source of life. The God who is perfect, who gave his life for us, who lived a perfect life and died a death so that we might live with him. Paying for our sins once for all so we can experience a relationship, a restored relationship with God. Jesus says, follow me and you have that light for yourself. But what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to have that light in your life? And if that light is in your life, it means you don't hide from the darkness. Our bad habits, our bad habits of what comes from our tongue or our watching of our TV or internet or the sin and brokenness that dominates needs to come. Our fears and anxieties and preoccupations need to come into the light. Let his light shine into our darkness. If we're to live lives of integrity as children of light, to shine brightly in a world that's longing for light this Christmas, we need to allow that light to shine in and through us. <clears throat> but how do I know if that light is illuminating my life? Well, the only way I can get to it, give you an illustration, is when I get the kids up in the morning, I go and pull back the curtains. Why? But you see, the light rouses us. The light wakes us up. It's impossible to sleep. And what happens? That's what happens when we're illuminated by God's light, the light of Jesus. That may scare you with a wonder of how great God is. Or you may be overwhelmed with the love and wonder of the God of light. But either way, you're not indifferent to God. You're waking up. You're longing to change, you're longing to grow, you're longing to discover, you're longing to serve, you're longing to make a difference with what God has given you. Years ago, there was a very famous <clears throat> Baptist pastor named Charles Spurgeon. And when he was a young man in London in the 1850s, he sometimes went to church. But there was this incredibly snowy day where he couldn't get to his normal church, so he went to the little church around the corner from where he lives. He goes in, he sits down, and there's only one other person in the church at the time. And the preacher gets up and it turns out that the minister hasn't been able to get to the church because of the snow. So the preacher gets up. He's actually the elder who's never actually preached a sermon before. The elder gets up, opens the Bible and he reads the text for the day again and again and again and again. He doesn't actually know how to preach, but he just reads the text again and again and again. And he reads the text out from Isaiah and he says this, look unto me and be you saved, all the ends of the earth. Look unto me, and be saved, all you ends of the earth. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to walk anywhere. You don't have to take even a step. Simply look. You just have to look. You have to see what he's done for you. After this, Elder had said, been going for about 15 minutes saying the same thing pretty much. He looks at Spurgeon and he points at him and he says, Young man, I see you're miserable and you're going to stay miserable until you obey the text. What he didn't know is that Spurgeon actually had spent <clears throat> a year struggling to know how to experience spiritual reality and he'd tried everything. He tried everything. He tried to be really moralistic by giving up everything in his life to try and be kind of better. He tried mysticism. He tried fasting and praying uh, to try and have more experience of God to make him right. Yet when the elder said, obey my text, it dawned on him. Jesus Christ is 
the light. Because the only way I can be saved is just to look. I have to accept what he's done for me. Look unto me and be you saved, all the ends of the earth. Let's pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Father, for the gift of light, the gift of the light of the world. This morning we would turn, we would look and we would see and we'd experience your saving grace. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.